Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light, go farther, stay longer. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson, and today I'm going to talk about how shed antler hunting helps you to learn to really look for details, which is a skill all deer hunters should work to develop. This is actually my favorite time of year to shed hunt. The snow is sort of looking like it might kind of, sort of, almost melt away soon. And that means every day that the old sun is shining, there's a chance for me to look past the boot prints of all the other shed hunters to maybe see some tines poking out of the snow. It's that sweet window before the ticks come out, and it's usually comfortable to walk for quite a while, with the most productive shed days happening between now and turkey season. It's also a good time to work on your Where's Waldo looking skills which not only benefit you as a shed hunter, obviously, but really come into play when you're actually hunting deer in the fall. When I'm driving somewhere with my family, like many of you, I'm sure, if we are near fields or woods and not right in the old concrete jungle, I'm always looking for critters. Deer mostly. You never know what you'll see, and I suspect most of you probably do the same thing when you're driving. If you also happen to have a wife who grew up in the cities and two daughters who are following that regretful life path that I try every day to change, you'll notice they can't see for shit. No, no, no. I mean, their vision is fine, technically, but their ability to see animals is pretty rough. Really rough. 
I remember driving up north to the lake about four years ago and looking out my driver's side window to see a pretty good black bear standing in a hayfield, not very far off the highway. Like any good dad, I freaked out and yelled for everyone to look at the bear. And it was the miracle of all miracles, but my entire family saw the bear. Now last year, after leaving Lake Mille Lacs with the whole family, I spotted another bear at the back of uh, another hayfield. Now it wasn't as visible as the first bear, but it was still a real dark, dark like a shadow kind of spot in a bright green field and pretty obvious to the trained eye. To the untrained eyes of my family members, that bear was like the predator when that dude who dry shaves during the movie is sneaking up to kill him only to get, and this is a spoiler here, bested by the most invisible intergalactic trophy hunter kind of guy out there, which the whole series is based on. The same thing happens when we're in the woods. Hell, it happens all the time on the water. In fact, maybe that's a better example to highlight this. I've spent most of my life looking into water to see what finned creatures might be looking back. From sight fishing bass like a fiend to fly fishing crystal clear trout streams and even bow fishing a variety of water across the Midwest, I've stared into a lot of fish's eyes. And when I fish with people who haven't, which is pretty often, they seem like they can't see a freaking thing. It's not that I'm so much more awesome than them, although that could be the case. The reality is that they just haven't spent hundreds and hundreds of hours honing that skill. Learning to look for specific details is one of the cornerstones of being a good hunter. I'll never forget being in Argentina several years ago and staring at the sky looking for rosebills and other random southern hemisphere ducks, only to be totally humiliated by the guides with us, some of whom weren't born yet when I was already finishing college. It was humbling. But those dudes grew up on those rivers that carry water through the heart of the Amazon rainforest. They also staked their paychecks, and more importantly, their tips from clients, on the ability to see birds as early as possible so they can work the right calls or tell their clueless clients to get down and get ready to shoot. This is a learned skill. But you're not going to sit in the woods every day trying to spot deer before they spot you. That's just not going to happen. So you have to fill in the gaps. And guess what? You can do that right now, my friends. This is the time to go out and find some antlers. Anyway, since you have nothing else to do, but don't just go for a walk in the woods hoping to stumble across a match set. You should shed hunt with a purpose. And now I, I probably should explain that. It sounds like I'm advocating guerrilla warfare style shed hunting, which I'm sure is the go-to strategy for someone out there somewhere. Probably someone who I would have a hard time being friends with. A good day of shed hunting should make you feel it but not the way an elk hunt or maybe pouring concrete all day would make you feel. It's fun and should be viewed as such, but you should also do some things while you're shed hunting to work that muscle that allows you to pick up details, important, crucial little details, before you walk right on by and miss them. Now, before I tell you how to do that, I'm going to tell you how you should shed hunt to learn you're not as good at seeing those details as you think. Remember at the beginning of the podcast when I not so humbly told you how awesome I am at seeing bears and fish and other assorted creatures? Well, I miss a lot too. I was filming a shed hunting episode for Bowhunter TV about a million years ago when I stopped to talk into the camera, which is something you're supposed to do often, but it feels kind of like taking a bath with your grandpa. I guess in some circles that would be acceptable behavior, but mostly it just feels weird and gross. 
Anyway, as I started imparting serious wisdom to the audience, I realized that I was standing right on top of an antler. And I mean literally right on top of it. Not only had my dog missed it, I had missed it too. If I hadn't stopped there to take a break and address the old audience, I might have never scooped that antler up. Another time, I was shed hunting with a good buddy of mine named Eric. Now, Eric is pretty good at spotting critters, and that's what makes him good at spotting antlers. We were in one of my spots scouring the snowpack when he found a really solid five-point side. You know, the kind of shed that makes your shed hunting partner really jealous. And the only thing that made that a little bit worse was when he found another antler not long after that. Now, we figured with the deer sign and the reality that we had already found two, we should be able to match up the big shed. So we crisscrossed an area that was littered with trails and beds. And eventually, I turned around on one of the trails and reversed my route. And you know what I found there? Laying right off the trail poking out of the snow? A golf club. Just kidding. It was the other side to the first big antler Eric had found. My tracks were all around it, but I had missed it a few times before getting lucky. I love when stuff like that happens because it makes me realize that what I think about myself versus how I am is actually pretty different and usually not in a good way. It happens to you too. Trust me. You walk by sheds just like you miss seeing deer walking through the woods during certain conditions or maybe when you're scrolling through social media. I can't help you with the last part, but I can help you see more deer. Here's how. You have to look more. How's that for disappointing? Okay, I'll elaborate on it. When it comes to shed hunting, you're looking for something that doesn't quite fit into the woods. You see sticks all over, you know, down trees, leaves, snow, other elements of the forest. What you don't see in the woods too often is the specific pattern of tines. You don't see something that is pretty white in a brown and gray world very often either. Even a hint of white or gray out there should be interesting to you, particularly if you're not shed hunting in the snow. You also don't see a nice shiny curve in the woods very often. A lot of antlers land tines down, and they are hard to spot. But they also, especially in nice, even light during cloudy-type days, kind of just pop. It's kind of like when you're on stand and you see the white throat patch of a deer or the flicker of a tail. Maybe the line of a deer's back, that's another one. For some reason, there aren't a lot of horizontal lines in the woods about three and a half feet off the ground. That detail gives away deer quite often. When you're in summer scouting mode, for example, and maybe you're glass in bean fields, a just a slightly reddish patch in an otherwise sea of green often reveals itself to be a part of a deer. Their camouflage is good, but it's not predator good. It does get a hell of a lot better when they don't move. That's when that simple brown or gray that they are covered with really does a good job for them. And often, if they aren't moving and we're looking for them, we do our camo a disservice by not moving, providing the advantage to them. And they have a lot of advantages, despite all of our technology. But the way to get ahead of them is to learn to look. So, so you go out and shed hunt, and that's that. Podcast over. Well, not quite. Once you've learned that you're not the antler spotting machine you tell your buddies you are, especially when you're about seven bush lattes deep in the night, you have to acknowledge how to get better. An easy way to do that when it comes to shed hunting is just to slow down. 
Now, anyone who knows me, or better yet, who has shed hunted with me, is probably laughing hysterically right now. Slow walker, I am not. I don't know what to do about it, but I'm trying. People think it's hard to lose weight, and it sure can be, or maybe to start running or whatever. I think it's hard, at least as hard as anything else, to just walk slow. It's almost as hard for me as it is to get a song that is stuck in my head unstuck. I recently started listening to a band called Bad Omens, and man, oh man, is my family sick of hearing me sing their songs. Fortunately, they are just as annoying as me, so it all kind of shakes out pretty evenly. We all just annoy each other in this nice little family. Anyway, try to walk slow, even if you're a born speed walker like I am. Slowing things down allows you to take in your surroundings. Now, sure, if you're shed hunting an alfalfa field, you can probably book it pretty fast. But if you're in the woods or even the CRP, slow is better. Treat it like a speedy version of a still hunt. Walk slow, stop, look. Walk slow, stop, look. Take your time. The best way to do this is to shed hunt spots where you know there's a concentration of deer. Now, I know you're thinking, no shit, dude. I wasn't going to shed hunt where there are no deer, but that's not what I mean. Spend your time in spots where there could be an antler anywhere. Bedding areas, staging areas, travel hubs. Walking a cut cornfield is great, but it's not the same hunt as one that occurs in an overgrown homestead. If you get yourself into a place where the deer activity is all around you, slow way way down and look around not just on the trail ahead of you but the spots where a buck would peel off to nibble some browse or bed down by a deadfall we get kind of laser focused on the trails but the trails aren't the only places deer travel this is a strategy that has put a lot of antlers in my backpack on public land honestly i feel like a lot of shed hunters walk trails quickly and they rarely look around for the antlers that didn't fall right on the deer highways and you need to glass too. I know I've talked about this a lot, but glassing is an art that isn't solely destined for the world of the Western hunter. Whitetail hunters who are more proficient with their binos than others see more deer, obviously. They also kill more deer because they see more deer. Think about it this way. Would you rather know a buck is coming your way when he is 125 yards out or when he's suddenly at 40? When it comes to that skill, shed hunting provides a pretty unique opportunity. Now, I'm not going to say that just because you bring your binos along, you'll be spotting match sets half a mile away, but there are two times when you're shed hunting where a little glass goes a long way. The first is that open field situation I keep talking about. Sometimes you scan a field and spot something that looks awful antlery out there. Antlery? Antlerly? Looks like an antler. This happens to me rarely but it does happen. I shot a buck in 2019 that was a 143-inch eight-pointer with really tall bladed tines. He was a cool deer, but what was extra cool about it was that two years earlier, I was standing on the edge of the woods shed hunting, and I looked into a wide-open alfalfa field. The only breakup in the field was a couple of small terraces and drainage ditches. I glassed them anyway just for the hell of it, and in one, I saw what looked like a ghost giving me the middle finger. It turned out, after I walked over there, to be the G2 of the buck that I'd eventually shoot. I would have never seen that antler with my naked eye, and I didn't see any reason to go walk that part of the field until I glassed it. 
Now, the other situation where your shed hunting and binos come in handy is when you're in the woods and something just catches your eye. It might be 20 feet away or 75 yards away, but it's usually something white that just doesn't quite look right. Binos will tell you a lot in that situation, and you can pretty, pretty quickly eliminate white branches or styrofoam cups or whatever, or see that it is actually an antler. Eyeglass objects in the woods all of the time that aren't antlers, but sometimes they are. The good thing is, is that's an exercise in getting better. Just going slowly through the woods looking for details like a tine or a main beam. Getting binos to your eyes and focusing quickly to assess your finding is part of the skill. And if you think that won't come in handy sometime in the fall, you're sadly mistaken, my little hombres. Shed hunting also teaches you how to look at the woods under different conditions. There are times when the light is even. Those times I've talked about where shed hunting is kind of magical and the deer are easy to spot. Other times, like during sunny days with plenty of shadows mixed in, where an antler or, I don't know, a perfectly still deer is really tough to get a visual on. You can also use binos to assess the best routes to walk. Well, that might seem weird, but think about it this way. Sometimes, usually when I'm in bluffy country, I don't want to drop all the way down to the bottom just on a whim. But if I suspect I can see a creek crossing that is pounded or some other deer trail with heavy usage, it's binos to the rescue time. Maybe the trail, upon closer inspection, isn't really that beat down, or maybe it shows that it's covered in tracks and I better get down there. Maybe you're not sure you want to do the work to check it out, but you follow that trail and you see that it intersects an old fence in the woods that deer have to jump. Now your bino work has convinced you to go because you have to look at a spot like that. Do you see where all this is going? We view an act like shed hunting as kind of like this point A to B transaction. I go into the woods without antlers. I come back to my truck with antlers. Ring that register. But it's usually not like that. You mostly won't find antlers when you shed hunt, at least if you're anything like me. But you should be looking because it's more than just about finding some bone. It's about woodsmanship. It's about developing your skills as a hunter one of which is being able to pick up the tiniest of details that might lead to the discovery of a 83-inch six-point side or, in about six, seven months, a real live buck standing 50 yards away from your stand while he surveys the woods in front of him. So get out there, my friends, and know that even if you don't find any antlers, you're getting better as a hunter. And that's not nothing. And listen in next week, because I'm going to talk about the stuff you'll never learn no matter how much or what kind of hunting content you consume. That's it for this week, my friends. I'm Tony Peterson. This has been the Wired Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you want some more whitetail content, you can check out our Wired to Hunt YouTube channel where we have a whole bunch of how-to videos, or you can visit themeateater.com slash wired to read articles by myself, Mark, uh, dudes like Bo Martonic and Alex Gilstrom, and see all kinds of how-to strategies on whitetail hunting. Basically articles that cover everything you need to know. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, 
They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.